There's a great scene in the movie called Ladies Man with Tim Meadows that's emblematic of the Lakers game three win over the Memphis Grizzlies and allow me to tell a very quick story. There's a scene in which he's in a bar with another gentleman and they're trying to prove their manliness to each other and Tim Meadows says to him, I bet you never had some back bottom gristle lumps. And the other man says, well, of course I have. I got no problem eating that. And he pulls out something that's floating around in a jar, takes a big crunch and goes, look at me. And then Tim Meadows laughs and laughs and laughs. He says, boy, you just ate some human shit, is what the bartender says to him afterward. And he runs out with his tail between his legs. And that's the story of Dylan Brooks in Game 3, who had everything to say after Game 2, but absolutely nothing to say after Game 3. Too small for everybody on the court to even think about guarding him, because that's what happens when you're nowhere to be found and get ejected for punching another man in the groin after talking about how that man has lost a step over time. Dylan Brooks is everything you don't want your kid to grow up to be. Dylan Brooks is not that dude, as the Lakers broadcast told all of us, in case any of us were having trouble conceptualizing that. The Lakers came out with a first quarter like unlike anything we've seen up 35 to 9 it felt like the game was over after the first quarter and that's basically because it was despite John Moran's best efforts it was a lot of anticipation for this game. Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies clearly wanted all the smoke feeling good after coming up in a game two win shorthanded without John Morant. John Morant's back in the lineup and it did not matter because the Lakers came out with an intensity and a focus that you would hope to see from them every game going forward. Of course, you cannot play every game all 48 minutes with that level of intensity, that level of heightened attention to everything. They were everywhere all at once. It was incredible, but it set the tone for what to expect for the rest of the game ahead. The Lakers really just never looked back. They got out to a dominant start in the first five minutes of the game, had an unbelievably historic first quarter, and then after that, it was all gravy on Thanksgiving Day, baby. Now the Lakers go up 2-1. to one. The series shifts to every other day, basically now, instead of these three-day delays, and the Lakers look to make their mark and take a commanding 3-1 series lead in Game 4, which will also be in Los Angeles. But of course, the Lakers could not be doing this without, and it's not without Dylan Brooks, it's not without LeBron James. It's not without Anthony Davis. But the Lakers could not be doing this without Rui Hachimura. And everything that Rui Hachimura did not do following his arrival to Los Angeles for the trade deadline, everything that anyone thought about him prior to the playoffs literally does not matter. Rui Hachimura is proving why the Lakers traded for him. He is showing why the Lakers will extend him. He is showing why he should be a member of the starting lineup at least to begin next season, if not more immediately than that. And he is showing why he was thought of as such a potentially intriguing talent when he was initially drafted by the Washington Wizards. Rui Hachimura on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis is averaging 21.7 points on 66.7% shooting from the field through the first three games of these series, including 9 of 12 from behind the three-point line. His three-point shot has become so automatic that you don't even think it's not going in. As soon as he lets it fly, you say, oh, here's another three for Rui. For a guy who shot was flatter than Dylan Brooks's takes on LeBron. This guy has found the magic arc. This guy has worked his ass off with Phil Handy. This guy has a team and organization that believes in him. And when you have all of those things, the power of real support is very real. Rui Hachimura is coming to play on the biggest stage. He should be the first sub off the bench ahead of Dennis Schroeder if he's going to continue coming off the bench. But if he's going to find his way in, in, into the starting lineup, as JC alluded to on the last show that we did together, 
Jared Vanderbilt has not exactly set the world on fire in the last stretch of time. In fact, for the majority of this series in particular, he's been basically a non-factor, as well as Malik Beasley. In fact, Malik Beasley has eight shots in this, in this series over three games. He scored a whopping seven points. Seven points in game two, zero in game one, zero in game three. Both games in which the Lakers won. Dare I say that Malik Beasley should not be on the court. If Darvin Ham is insistent upon having a rotation that is a certain number of players instead of sharing that time across guys who are already consistent members of the rotation, might I suggest that you dust off Lonnie Walker and his near 40% from three? Might I suggest that you dust off Lonnie Walker, who has a better two-point game than Malik Beasley? Might I suggest you dust off Lonnie Walker, who might even be able to take some minutes from Troy Brown at this point? What was Wenyan Gabriel doing on the floor for a minute and change last night? What was that about? There are little things with the Lakers that are still in major need of improvement, but there's no doubt about it. What we saw in Game 3 is what Lakers fans are so excited about with this team right now. There is no team in the Western Conference, not even the Denver Nuggets, who you sit there and say, well, this team is unbeatable. There's no way that they're going to not lose. So the Lakers, despite their seventh seed, they have a very real chance. There's a lot of good vibes around the club right now, winning two of the first three of the series against Memphis. However, there is still some cause for concern. Okay, there is still some cause for concern. The Lakers are getting basically nothing from the point guard position. Yes, D'Angelo Russell had 17 points in game three. It took him 14 shots to do it, and he only made five from the field. Okay, AD, he has been marvelous defensively in this series. Game two, offense, atrocious. Game one, game three, much better. But did you know Anthony Davis is actually shooting below 50% from the field for this series? He's averaging 12, over 12 and a half rebounds a game. He's averaging five blocks a game. You wonder if what he's being asked to do on defense is impacting his offensive efficiency a little bit. I love Anthony Davis taking 24 shots. I love for him to take 20 plus shots on any given night. But in game three, he only made 11 of them. There was definitely an increased effort to get the ball inside. And you love that because you saw Jaron Jackson Jr. get into foul trouble. You saw Desmond Bain get into foul trouble. You saw Dylan Brooks get into foul trouble before he decided to take himself out of the game. And can I just say what a little dipshit Dylan Brooks is. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For him to talk all that talk, want all that smoke, want to do this, want to do that, want to call himself the man, want to walk down like he's Andre 3000 in a pimp coat to end the regular season. All of that just so he could punch LeBron James in the nads and say, yeah, look at me, I'm tougher than you. Basically, everything Dylan Brooks had to say was that, oh, too bad I couldn't guard LeBron when he was younger. It would have been harder. Yeah, dude, no shit. No shit, it's harder to guard an all-time great when they're in their prime versus when they're nearly 40. No shit, it's easy to talk trash about things that would never happen. Because when LeBron in his prime was in his prime, Dylan Brooks, you were still wiping your ass trying to figure out if you should be in diapers or pull up big boy underwear. The amount of attention Dylan Brooks has received is, is inconceivable to me. Why do we talk about this guy as if he's God's gift to basketball? This is a clown. This is a guy who, if he were in the comment section on the internet, we'd all say, just bury it. So stop. This isn't content. This isn't quality conversation. This is a bunch of garbage. It's a bunch of crap. He wants to talk about poking a bear. I thought he meant metaphorically, but I guess he meant literally. I don't know any man who tries to grab another man's junk as a way to prove that he's a bigger man. To me, I got some more questions there, but we'll save that for a different podcast. Let's go back to the Lakers. LeBron came out in game three and he responded exactly as you would have expected him to. He made it a point to go right at the Grizzlies. He made it a point to make sure that everybody knew he was going to be himself in this game. And he made it a point to say, hey, I'm here. Don't you worry about me. He got in Dylan Brooks' face a little bit before the game. He got in Dylan Brooks' face a little bit during the game. And I want Dylan Brooks to go right at LeBron. You can't talk all that and then not even guard the guy. Every time Dylan Brooks touched the ball, every shot he missed, the Lakers crowd let him hear it. And big shout out to the crowd at Staples. Again, I will never call it crypto. Never. Big shout out to the crowd at Staples. They were engaged. They were electric. Everybody in the building was ready for the moment. First full playoff game at Staples in years. Years. That's how big of a game game three was in the first round. Honestly, these playoffs have been great. The Eastern Conference, eh, whatever. But the playoffs overall has been great, especially out West. So LeBron responded as we expected, okay? My longer term concern with LeBron remains the same. He's taking a lot of threes and he's not making a lot of them. LeBron is 4 of 20 from 3 in this series. It's not going to get it done if the Lakers think about going beyond just the first round. Lakers have to be better from the perimeter so they can continue to keep things open on the inside for LeBron, for Anthony Davis, and for anyone else who's willing to drive through the lane. Since Austin Reeves came out with his big game one screaming, I'm him, Reeves is 10 of 22 from the field. Only 25 points on those 22 shots and only 2 of 7 from deep. Okay? The Grizzlies didn't become the two seed by mistake. Whether or not John Moran is on the court and whatever version of him the Lakers are going to get, by the way, 45 and 13 in the game three loss, seems to me that whatever is going on with his hand is going to allow him to play through. And even more than that, the Lakers are going to have to be ready. Okay, 45 and 13 for John missed a triple double by a single rebound. But you look up and down the Grizzlies roster outside of John Morant, you say, really? What else scares me? 
Jaron Jackson Jr., Defensive Player of the Year, 13 points on 12 shots in Game 3. Desmond Bain, 18 points on 14 shots, a lot of them late. Dylan Brooks, thanks for coming with your 7 points. Dylan Brooks was one of the Lakers' best players. Too bad he got himself ejected. You look at the Grizzlies bench. Santi Aldama, Luke Kennard, Tyus Jones, David Roddy. I mean, these are the guys that the, that the Grizzlies are playing. Not exactly murderer's row. On paper, the Lakers are a better team. But as you know, basketball is not played on paper. What the Lakers need to do is they need to get more sustainable production from their point guard position. What the Lakers need to do is they need to stop trying to force rotations that haven't been there. Malik Beasley hasn't been good for at least a month. Troy Brown Jr.'s effectiveness has been waning for a little while. Rui Hachimura is surging. Dennis Schroeder, I, I need more from you off the bench as well, especially with D'Angelo struggling. Let's get Lonnie Walker back in this rotation if you want to play nine guys. Or you tighten it up to eight. And you make it work that way. What I do like to see in a game three win, obviously, is that LeBron plays 36 minutes. Anthony Davis plays 39 minutes. Okay? 39 minutes is a little, little too much for me. And again, the Lakers were up by almost 30 after the first quarter. But now we're just nitpicking, right? We're just nitpicking. As the Lakers move forward, I think the biggest thing you have to watch for is, is really it's all about game four, Right? Are the Lakers going to give Memphis an opportunity to get right back into the series before they go back to Memphis? Or are the Lakers going to put them on life support and go back to Memphis to try to finish the job? You got game four Monday, game five Wednesday, and if needed, game six on Friday. Before the series started, I said to myself, well, I think the Lakers, if they're going to win this game, is going to take six or win the series, is going to take six games. But after watching what we saw in game one, especially toward the end of the game, and obviously after game three, you got to think that the Lakers got some thoughts about finishing this thing in five games. The Lakers should come out in game four with even more motivation than they had in game three. Because if you put the Grizzlies on the ropes at three to one, you're literally putting them on life support. And that's what this Lakers team needs to do. They need to finish the job. Don't play down to level of competition. Play up to their own standards. It's still amazing to me that this team has come together in such a short period of time in terms of just the utter cohesion and effectiveness. And still despite the concerns that we have with the point guard position like we've been talking about, with LeBron's efficiency from deep, with AD's offensive efficiency, with Reeves, with Vando, Beasley, some of these guys who are not performing up to what we saw in the past, it's still happening. Because the defense is only going to get tighter as the series move forward. Guys, we're only going to get more tired as the season grows longer in terms of days on the calendar. So it's not going to get easier to keep producing. In fact, it's only going to get more difficult. And this is where the Lakers really need to show up. This is, I mean, if you really zoom out, it's still, I mean, it truly, it's truly amazing that we're talking about the Lakers as a potential second round team. Okay? And play it out. I mean, in the second round, no matter what, if the Lakers advance the second round, it's either going to be Kings or Warriors, right? Either way, you're going to have a really difficult second round matchup. Both of those home courts are tough to play in as well. And no matter what, you're going to be playing a higher seed than you, okay? So Lakers' path is not a path of least resistance. In fact, I would rather be, to be honest with you, I would rather Lakers play the Nuggets. I would rather Lakers play the Suns. I'd rather they play the Clippers, 
to play either the Kings or the Warriors. That Kings-Warriors series is probably the most intriguing first-round series for me outside of the Lakers. Just in terms of pure pure talent, pure back and forth, the narratives around both teams. I mean, there's just so much to discuss. Next Sixers was hella boring. Nothing to talk about. Celtics-Hawks, eh, it's a little interesting. Doesn't really intrigue me. Cavs-Knicks is a little spicy, but that's just because it's Cavs-Knicks. And Bucks Heat has become interesting without Giannis. Right? But everything in the Western Conference. I love I love Clippers fans right now. God, where would we be without Russell Westbrook? I mean, you'd still be in the playoffs. You'd still be in a similar spot. You'd still be looking at a first-round exit without Kawhi and Paul George. Oh, but Russ is so good. I'm so glad we got him. This is who he is, man. He's a one-man band who on a team that needs him to ball out can do that. And he looks really good, but the team loses. Right? And it's not a knock on Russ. I mean, this is just this is the type of player that he has become. He's a wonderful individual talent, but unfortunately his contributions don't, don't elevate the team. And that's what it is. It's okay. Right? I'm in education. I've been around a lot of really a wide range of teachers from terrible to exceptional. One teacher in particular, exceptional teacher. I would even say an exquisite teacher, but does nothing to support the growth of other teachers. They are exceptional in their classroom, and that's all they want to do. And that's fine. That's fine. But that does not make them an overwhelmingly invaluable asset to the community. And in this case, with Russell Westbrook, it's the same thing. It's also a lot easier to judge a guy who's playing on a minimum contract than on $40 million. Because if Russell Westbrook's playing on $40 million and he does this and Clippers lose, guess what? Everybody's pissed. So it's just... It's fascinating to see how the types of narratives changes based around the trajectory, not just of the player, of the contract, the, the, the context, just everything. There's so many things that go into how we, how we view our perspectives of certain people and of certain players of certain situations. We just all need to be mindful of that, right? I mean, really, it's, it's, it's not, I don't want to say the Lakers played a perfect game because they didn't. I mean, flat out, they didn't, Right? especially when when the Lakers looked like they were going to let Memphis kind of creep back into it before they pushed it back out. It was not a perfect game. But that first quarter, God, there was literally nothing to complain about. Memphis couldn't make a shot. Memphis couldn't make a shot, and the Lakers capitalized on, on literally everything. I mean, literally everything. Memphis, for this game, shot 30, like 37.5% from the field. They took 93 shots. They didn't even make 40. They made 35. Okay? By comparison... The Lakers took 90 shots. They made over 40. They made 41. But as this team moves forward, I mean, the Lakers can't shoot 7 of 28 from 3 and expect to win the game. Right? It's unusual. It's unusual for that to happen. So as much good as happened in this game, there's a lot that you say, okay, without that first quarter, I have some room, I have some room to be concerned. Right? Lakers got outscored in the second quarter and in the fourth quarter by 10 points. And I know part of that is because of the first quarter. Okay? But every other quarter except the first quarter, Lakers were minus 16 in this game. When you're up 35 to 9 after the first quarter, it's human. It's natural. I understand. It's not going to be like, oh, we got to come out and do that every quarter. And and frankly, the Grizzlies aren't going to shoot themselves in the foot every quarter from the field. But you have to remember what that looks like because it sets such a tone. Before this series started, I said something that I felt was so important and I still feel the same way now. 
The Lakers have to be the more physical team, not just in any specific game, not just in any specific quarter, but for the whole series for the Lakers to come out on top against the Grizzlies. Unsurprisingly, in game one, that was the case they won. Unsurprisingly, in game three, that was the case they won. Unsurprisingly, in game two, that was not the case. And guess what? They got shellacked. They came out with zero effort. Game three was the complete opposite. It was like they watched the film from game two and said, don't do any of this. Do the exact opposite of this. It is wonderful to see a team that can respond like that. That's what you hope for. Or for disappointment. You hope for the bounce back. In a very meaningful way. Everybody on this team looks engaged. Everybody on this team looks dialed in. Everybody on this team looks tapped into the situation at hand. The ultimate trajectory of this team will be defined by its consistency. By its ability. By its willingness to persevere. But also it's going to take some slight adjustments around the margins. I really do look for Darvin Ham to be a little bit more creative with how he's using Rui. I need Rui to play a little bit more still. I need Darvin Ham to look at Malik Beasley and Troy Brown and think about that rotation and whether those minutes could go elsewhere and if Lonnie Walker should be part of this rotation right now. I know it's a tough time to start making these types of changes in the playoffs, but the Lakers have this ability to be even better than what they are currently. And to sustain in the playoffs at the highest level, you can't be afraid to press that button. That's what I hope for for the Lakers going forward. D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder just have to be better. They have to be. If I would would say to you here right now, the Lakers can only re-sign one of Rui Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell, who do you want back more? I would bet you 90 out of every 100 Lakers fans right now would say Rui Hachimura. And it's, again, this isn't like D'Angelo Russell sucks. But if you're going to be the third guy on this team, because right now, that's what, look, that's what Rui looks like he is. He looks like the third guy. He looks more like the third guy than any third guy they've had in a minute. But D'Angelo Russell, if you're going to be that third guy, you gotta, you got to step it up. He's, if the shooting is going to be off, you need to impact the game in other ways. And I have not seen that from him. I have not seen this, this vision to set up the offense. I need him to be more of a facilitator. Dennis Schroeder, I need you to attack the basket more. I don't know if that ankle's hurting. I don't know if he's dealing with a little bit of, of, of foot soreness. I don't know if he's got bad wheels. What's going on? But I need you to be a little bit more assertive. Stop floating around the perimeter. Right? Jared Vanderbilt, I need you to be defensively. I need you to be all arms and legs out there. And maybe you would be better served coming off the bench in short stretches, right? Five, six minutes at a time. Still about the same minutes per game, 18 to 24 minutes. No matter what, Jared Vanderbilt's an asset for this team, but he doesn't have to be in the starting lineup. And maybe he, with Lonnie Walker off the bench, as JC has alluded to as well on one of our recent shows together, might be a good catalyst for the second unit. So all these little things for Lakers to think about as they move forward, I hope these are some of the things that we see implemented. But as far as Game 3 is concerned, well, damn, it's, it's, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. That's what I really want to say. But it's really hard to sit here and complain based on what we saw because what we saw is what we expect to see from this Lakers team going forward. And going into game four, they could put the Memphis Grizzlies up against the ropes. They could poke the bear, literally in this case, the grizzly bear. And they could tell them whose jungle resides in the Staples Center. We'll see you after game four. I'm out.